I don't know about you, but I have always been so curious about husband and wife teams running a business together. I absolutely love the idea of working with my spouse day in and day out. So getting to hear about how it works from another couple's perspective was something I was really wanting to have on the podcast for the longest time. So when I met Abby and Matt at the Creative at Heart conference last year, I knew I wanted to have them on. So in this episode, we're talking about what it has looked like for them to run a successful business with your spouse. We talked about so many different things, about what they would do differently, how they would restructure the onboarding process for Matt coming into a business, as well as what it has looked like for their marriage throughout this process. To tell you a little bit about the business, Abby Grace is a brand photographer for high-performing creative small business owners based out of Washington, D.C. She is a wife, mama by way of adoption, and a speaker and educator for fellow creatives. Abby's background is in communication and PR, paired with more than a decade of profitable business ownership, making her an authority for creatives and artists looking to make an impact they were born to make. I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. I'm going to jump right in. Let's go. Hey y'all, welcome to season two of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. If you're a photographer looking to grow your business through marketing strategy and different revenue streams, then this is 100% the season you're going to want to listen into. We have a range of guests talking about different ways to grow your photography business through multiple marketing platforms, copy strategy, and revenue streams. So grab your favorite glass of wine, a cup of coffee, your AirPods, and a pen and paper, and let's dive in. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining on this episode of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. I'm so excited about today's guests, Matt and Abby Springman. They are going to take a quick second and introduce themselves, and we are going to dive into today's topic about running a successful business with your spouse. Hey, I'm Abby. Our business is Abby Grace Photography, and I have been shooting for... 12 years at this point, which is crazy. Um, started off in weddings. We made the transition into brand photography, branding education. And Matt came on in 2015 when we started. That was when we started working together. We've been married mm-hmm. for 11 years at this point and have learned so much working as a husband and wife team. Hi, I'm Matt. I run everything that goes on behind the scenes with Abby Grace Photography. I do all the finances, the implementation. I'm the integrator for Mm -hmm. our business. Yeah. So I'm the visionary and we would call you the integrator for sure. Awesome. I love that. So how did that like come about? Abby, you were doing this for a little while and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Matt had been involved in your business for as long as he had. So Mm -hmm. that's incredible. So how did that start? Was he working full time and then he started helping you on the back end occasionally or? So the purpose behind it was twofold. The two sort of moments of reckoning came together at the same time. Like I needed help. And I, I was just getting to a point where like I have reached a ceiling. I couldn't grow past where I was until I got somebody else in the business to help take stuff off my plate. And so I needed help, but I was terrified of hiring like a, a virtual assistant or somebody who could like, you spend all this time training them and then they leave. Yeah. And so Matt was also at a place in his career. He was, he was a Program manager, project manager manager for a company that specialized in data security. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not. No, no. 
uh, uh, security and access control. So yeah. like your card readers that go into buildings, cameras, that's such a thing. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't happy in the business. Abby wasn't happy because she was so overworked mm-hmm. um, and it was just what she was. And I had on. dreams that like we could not pursue because there was just, I was stuck in the minutia of the day-to-day of running a business. Yeah. And so I approached the idea of helping up, but I kind of went a little too quickly for Abby where I said like, <laughs> Hey, I should quit my job and I can get a part-time job somewhere and we else. just like long. bought a house and I was like, we have a mortgage. We can't, you can't quit your job. Um, she, Cause she thought it was, I was trying to, get out of the job that I didn't like rather than it was me approaching her to help her with what she needed. And so it was partly was my inability to articulate that well. Well, Um, I I think I also like underestimated your administrative gifts. Like I was only looking at it from the lens of like, here's what I need as opposed to like, Hey, what does my husband need in this moment? And my husband's in a job that like is sucking his soul dry. And like, I mean, I do need help in my business, but like could, could those two things be mutually, like have a mutual interest? They're not necessarily separate subjects. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny that you had those reservations about it because my job is literally to be an administrator. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's just you didn't really understand what I did on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. there. And also you were coming from everybody else at the time. That was the bigger when, part of When it. husband and wives worked together, especially in the photography industry, it was the husband came um, along as like a, the second shooter. Or mm-hmm. like was, so they were like it? co-creating the art together as well. Right. And and I just didn't, I did not like doing that. I didn't like being at weddings. We, I tried really hard to make that happen. Like 2012, 2013, like we're going to be a husband and wife team. And then there was this like one wedding that we went to and it was like 200. It was like a really big wedding. It was like a 13 hour day. And we get in the car afterwards and we're like, so what did you think? And that's like, you know, it's just not not really my cup of tea, like all these people, I don't know them. I'm an introvert. And in my, this was like, not a problem of it for me as a wife. I was like, you can't like, that's not a disability. You can't claim <laughs> introvertism as a reason not to be a wedding photographer. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I realized, like, Ooh, Abby, you might need to step back from this. Like, this is obviously not something that your husband wants. And like, I could push it if I really wanted to. And Matt's such a such a joyful servant that he would probably have done it, but he would have been really unhappy. And like, what was more important in that moment for me to fulfill my dream of like husband, wife photography team, or to like honor what my husband is saying that he doesn't like, doesn't serve him well. And so we had stepped away from the whole husband and wife team thing, because I was like, well, if we can't shoot together, then we obviously can't be a husband and wife team. And then when this need arose for administrative help, and realizing like, oh, that's actually a perfect alignment of, of where Matt's gifts are. We realized we didn't have to fit into the mold that everyone else had already carved out that we could, that's the beauty of running a small business. You can make it work for your life. And yeah. so in a desire to help my business grow, but then also to, to bring Matt into a work situation where he felt he had more control and felt more fulfillment and was better able to not only utilize the gifts that he was already aware of, but then discover ones that he didn't know he had. That that was such a cool moment as in our business, sure, but like also in our marriage to, for me to be able to look at my husband and be like, wow, I've never seen you at work before. Look at all of these cool things that you can do. I never knew that you were gifted in that way. And I think if you had pushed me to be the second shooter and said like, this is what you're going to do, like so I probably would have eventually just said, no, I don't want to be a part of this business. And I probably wouldn't be a part of this business today. Yeah. Um, like I could have had really bad yeah, yeah. ramifications yeah. if you had just if yeah. you tried to push me into it. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear because I keep wanting my husband to like actually do the admin side of my business. 
and God bless him. He's just a hands-on person. He's not a computer person. So mm-hmm. note to self, don't push the husband somewhere yeah. where he doesn't want to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, that's like running a, we've talked about this actually a lot the last couple of weeks, like running a business together. Like if, if something's not going well at work, it does, it, it bleeds into your marriage because you yeah. can't just like shut the door on work and be like, okay, I'm really mad at you because you dropped the ball on this thing. But I'm so excited to see you now that we've closed the door on work for the day. And, you know, the vows that we took to to love and honor and respect one another. Me honoring what Matt is expressing a desire to do or not to do in work, like that's a way for me to honor him as his wife as well, not just as a business partner. Awesome. So tell me what the first few months looked like. What worked really well? And then what were some learning curves? that you challenges. Yeah. yeah. So just to kind of like, so 2015 is when I started kind of taking on things and it was, it was basically like, I would take on stuff when the post office kind of a little smaller. Well, you first started, we started with, we started on like a project basis, kind of like a contract basis. Like, okay, I'm going to give you this one project. Let's see how it goes. If it goes well, then we'll look at giving you some more work. Cause I wasn't ready to just be like, I need admin help. Go quit your job and work full time with me. Right. I needed to see if this was good. It's the same thing that you would do with if you were hiring a contractor. Like you guys do this in success behind the lens. You do nine like an initial 90-day period, right? Yep. Then someone can extend their contract with you. And that gives people a chance to feel it out. Is this working? Is this not working? What could we change? Or maybe we just need to part way. Whatever. So I, I worked full time in my previous job until the following April 2016. Yeah. So it was what like eight, like roughly eight months of giving that one project, it goes well. And then increasing the scope of what he's doing little by little until it became, it's just not working for you to be at your full-time job anymore. Like we, this is this, and this is working for you and I to work together. So let's start to transition out of, out of the um, full-time position. And so the biggest struggle kind of working from home together was, was learning how each other worked. So like, had separate office spaces. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm somebody that you can interrupt and then I can come right back in and test switch pretty easily. Whereas Abby is not that. I so that was something that. I had to learn quickly was that I can't just come into the the office and I'm still struggling with it sometimes is coming into the office and interrupting her while she's um, working. But that mm-hmm. was like, that was the source of a lot of, a lot of consternation mm-hmm. and not just like popping in and being like, Hey, real quick question for you. And I'm like, I just got into work mode. And, and, and there's also the component, like I have ADHD. And so like, it is like physiologically harder for me to get on task. But when I'm on task, I do a really good job of staying on task unless something pulls my focus away. And Matt does not have ADHD. And so trying to, at first I just got really frustrated and I was just like, I just don't understand why you keep doing this. But then when I realized I needed to explain to him, Hey, the way that you process thoughts is good. And I want to respect that. But like, I also need you to let me have this brain space. And so it was just, it was a lot of communication, a lot like learning how to communicate. We, we were, I'd say we were fairly accomplished at, at communicating as husband and wife, like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling, or I'm frustrated with this, or here's what I need from you. But as business partners, I had never had a, I hadn't had a coworker since I, you know, was at my last corporate job, which I quit in 2012. So I didn't know how I just was like, so, the concept of someone interrupting me was so foreign. And so I got ridiculously frustrated <laughs> within the first couple of months until I learned to communicate to Matt, hey, these are the conditions that allow me to do my best work. And I don't want to hinder you from getting the information that you need. So if you have a question for me, I want you to be able to answer to, to get an answer to that. But 
let's figure out how we can can intentionally structure opportunities for you to get those questions in a way that doesn't prevent me from doing work the, the way that I need to be able to do it. Yeah. And also in those first few months, you had to learn um, because you are used to, you were used to doing everything on your own, mm-hmm. was learning to give up things um, oh, yeah. and, letting, yeah. and letting me take on things like something as small as taking a package to the post office. Yeah. Um, Abby would be like, no, I have to be the one to do it. It's like, no, you, you don't. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I'm here for right yeah. now. Like, there was a lot of that. Like you, I mean, we didn't have the wording then, but you were the visionary and, mm-hmm. and I'm the integrator. So like, literally my job is to make sure things happen and run. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the moments where I would get the most frustrated was when I felt like Matt didn't understand how things reflected on me if they, if they weren't going well. And like that, you know, you never want to throw your team members under the bus, but like if a client doesn't get an, if, a, if an email doesn't get sent to a client, then they're not going to be like that, Matt of Abby Grace Photography. It's just going to, they're just going to talk about Abby Grace Photography and the experience with, with our company as a whole. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to working with your spouse or like hiring on team members, you as the visionary, that's on you to like communicate the vision for the business and the vision for how you want your clients to be served and how you want them to feel and their experience with you. And that the people, whoever it is, team member, spouse, whatever, that's coming on to work with you, that they buy into that, that it, that it becomes just as important to them that your clients have that killer experience that you envision for them. Because if they're not on board with the level of experience that you're trying to provide, if they're not on board with that, it's going to be okay with them that things slip through the cracks that would not be okay with you. Like, so what? An email got sent two days late. You're like, no, no, no. That email needed to be sent on time. And I think that that was, I didn't realize how important that was. I was just like, I have standards of perfection. I don't understand why these standards are being met. And it was because to Matt, it was just a set of rules. Whereas when you can give context for, Hey, these rules are here or these SOPs are here because we want our clients to walk away feeling this way. Can you understand how that fits in? I don't know, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like that created more of a buy-in and and you felt more ownership over your part of the job because we communicated the overall, or we shared an overall vision for what. And knowing why, why we did things as Mm -hmm. opposed to just being like, Oh, I mean, that was, you know, that seems small, but at the same time, like that doesn't, that doesn't fit in with our vision if we don't do it correctly. So What is one thing that looking back during that time, you would change on how you like onboarded him? Like if someone is is getting ready to hire or bring in their spouse or a team member, how would you structure it now knowing what you know? I would say probably putting the SOPs down uh, with the why you do the SOPs that way. So that way you're, you're hitting the ground running with, okay, this is how I've done it this is why I do it this way, as opposed to just do it this way because I told you, or because mm-hmm. this is like, this is the way we've always done it. It's like, no, well, what if I have ideas that are, are different, but mm-hmm. now I understand why you do it these ways, because it's, this is the way, this is the level of experience you, our clients um, expect. Uh, yeah. And I would say also, I mean, to be fair, like I was only like five years in a business when yeah. Matt came on with me and we know a lot more and we, we, we run a much tighter ship these days than we did back then. But I would say, cause I don't know, was it, it's, it was started on a con on a, like a, a project basis. So I was like, okay, the first project I had you take on us, we were opening a print shop and I needed Matt to get the shop up and running, put up the listings, figure out what kind of payment system we were going to use all of that. 
So if we were doing that same thing, not necessarily onboarding him as like a full employee, but like, hey, here's a here's a project, let's see how it goes. I would have structured it to have like an initial, like, okay, let's open the project meeting. What are the aims of the project? What do we need to have happen? How are we going to check in on these without me just like, hey, right before we go to bed, did you get that thing done? And you're like, <laughs> I don't like, how do you track something? Like, there's no tracking. Yeah. For that. So how, what, what needs to get done? When does it need to get done? How are we going to track it? And, and like, how will we communicate about the project? And then have some kind of regular check-in meeting for that. These days we have our, our weekly meetings on Mondays. We meet at like 9 a.m. and we go through what's on the calendar for the upcoming week. We go through last week's to-do list, check where we're at, talk through this week's to-do list. We also, well, we start off by reviewing our quarterly rocks, which we learned from the book Traction, but like just some kind of regularity and rhythm to the business where it's not just a bunch of ad hoc communication, like shouting at each other back and forth from your office. Like, Hey, did you do that thing? Did you send that email? Cause that was all our communication. It was very ad hoc, very just like as the need arose, as opposed to intentionally planning out how we're going to communicate about projects and where we're going to do that. And I would say also another thing that would be helpful. I don't know if this is something that other businesses have, but like having like some sort of terminology, maybe even like a guide, like a word bank, uh, yeah, like a word bank or a like, brand guide, like a brand style, a brand style guide, a brand manual. Um, because like one of the things that we like communication wise struggled with for a while is that like I would refer to clients as customers. And I'd be like, no, that's not, they're, they're clients. Like they're not customers, they're clients. And like, that was something that was very important and that repeatedly need to be needed to be told because when I'm in my old job, they were customers. Right. Uh, and so like having that, term, that, having that terminology shift of like, okay, this is actually, they're not customers, they're clients. Yeah. And like why they're calling clients. We have, um, so we teach a course called Branding Foundations, which is basically like how to distill your brand message and like visuals into something identifiable and remarkable. And in the back of the course is this brand manual that compiles things like your vision, your values, your why, your strengths, but then also like, Hey, from a, from a, like a, a language perspective, what are some, some rules for you? Like for me with emails, I don't end more than two sentences in a row with an exclamation point, And I don't use more than one emoji per email. It's a style guide thing. Like, and that was important for me because Matt came from a very corporate atmosphere where no exclamation points were used. And I'm like, you sound angry every time you, <laughs> you send your email and then you sign the best Matt. And it sounds like when you go from my communication style to that, it just feels very stark. And so we need to work on warming yours up a little bit. So having something like a brand manual that outlines those tenets of both the, the, the invisible side of your brand. So, hey, right. the vision, the why, your strengths, your audience, your values, your targets, all of that. But then also the visual side of things like, hey, these are the Pantone colors that we use. These are the style, the, the fonts that we use. Having all of that in one doc would serve as a, a huge asset when you're onboarding someone new because you can just give it to them and be like, this is what we're about. Do you have any questions? And, and I mean, like any job you go to, you're going to have a couple of days of training at mm-hmm. least right. how to like how the, the company culture is, what are the norms, like how do you do your job? And so like that's not a weird thing for you to onboard somebody with. Mm-hmm. And so that would be, that would like, if, if we could go back to that, that would be ideal to have. I would also say that mentality shift from solopreneur to company was Mm -hmm. hard because I wasn't necessarily acting like a company or a CEO or a visionary. I was acting like a solo. I was acting like a girl who liked taking pictures, happened to make some good money off of it. And great. Me and my husband can work together. And I think when we started treating, I think, I know we can point to the numbers as a result. 
when we started treating our company like a company and started acting like CEO and integrator or visionary and integrator, that was when things really took off for us. That was when we began to take our goals more seriously, when we began hitting our goals faster than ever before. Uh, when we implemented the structures, I mean, the book traction, I cannot emphasize what a game changer that was for us to go to uh, like having these yearly meetings and quarterly meetings. And now we have weekly meetings and how all of that trickles down into taking the big stuff that you want to do and turning it into these bite-sized chunks. But before that, we were just kind of like, you get to the office in the morning and you're like, what do you feel like working on today? (laughs) So that mindset shift from, oh, my business is like this fun thing that I do too. This is a business and we're going to treat it as such was huge for not, not just Abby Grace Photography as a whole, but like in enabling us to work as husband and wife together. That's awesome. I want, what I want our audience to hear is how serious they take their business. I think one of the biggest obstacles, especially in the photography space that I've seen is it's just like what you said, Abby, it's like, Hey, I'm a girl. I'm taking photos. I'm making money. This is fun. But when you get to that place of like, you're ready to scale, you actually aren't even in a place that you're ready to scale. You're just Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with the work that you have. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep like duct taping stuff together until something breaks. If you do what Abby and Matt have done and create that brand guide, create those SOPs, start putting those systems in place. You're going to be in a much better, stronger place foundationally in order to scale your business by outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And, and it can seem like a lot to put that together, but it is really worth the taking the time to do so. And so I think that was part of the reason it was was overwhelming for you to think to put to get to put that together. And so you're like, I just will, I'll just, it's easier for me to just do it rather than to have them to take that mental space and mm-hmm. actually write it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, Abby, if you can touch on that for a second, having that mental shift from like, I'm just going to do it to, okay, I've got to figure this out in a way that I can bring Matt in that makes sense. And I know that there was some, you know, trial and error there for the first couple of years too. But was there a key moment where you're like, oh, light bulb, this is how we're going to start doing it so that we can structure it and move forward? Yes. It was when we started producing courses, online courses, and the tide very subtly started to change from Abby just giving direction to Matt, like, here's what I want. You go execute it to Matt beginning to come to the table with ideas of his own. And at first I was resistant. So I was like, nope, that's not going to work. It's different than how we've always done it. I don't like change. Let's not do that. To, oh, that's actually, that's a really good idea. Like I hadn't thought of doing it that way. We'll try it and see how it goes. And then it working and realizing like my husband is a very capable person and I have always struggled with pride. And I thought that I was the only one who could do things the way that I could do them. And I just needed help for someone to execute when I finally began to see him bringing his own unique ideas to the table and, and realizing my husband has the ability to help grow our business in a way I could never do on my own, not just because it's another set of hands, but because he brings ideas I couldn't bring. I can't like his ability to puzzle things together and piece systems together and like email funnels and like the way that we um, do our courses online, like those are things I, I'm either too overwhelmed to look into or it just honestly like wouldn't occur to me. So I think that shift began to take place when I let go of control. I mean, I know that shift began to take place when I started letting go of control because it gave Matt more room to step up and allow you to step into a level of confidence you had not had before because he could try things, his ideas he got to try. And when they worked, he could take pride in those, not because 
he did a good job executing my direction, but because it was something that he brought to the table on his own. So Matt, tell me what that looked like for you coming into a business that, you know, you're kind of having to figure out on the go, even though she kind of stepstoned you into it. What did that shift look like coming from like a managerial position from corporate into a business that got started and then also transitioning into a place of like integrator coming in and really taking ownership of that role? Oh, well, I think the probably the biggest change was being because, you know, like we said, when we first started, it was kind of Abby telling me what to do and how to help her. We finally kind of had a, a talk where she was like, you can tell me what to do as well. Like, this is not my zone of expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I gave you, when when we talked, we had a conversation. I was like, okay, I'm a CEO. I have artistry veto power. So if you're like, I think we should go with this, this website template because it's cheaper. I have veto power to be like, no, that's not on brand. We need to go with the more expensive route. But Matt had veto power over like, what, what did it, what do we say? You're beautiful budget, budget and system and system. So if he's like, Hey, this, we, we want to switch from course cats to Kajabi. If I'm like, I don't understand why we need to. And Matt can explain, this is why it's going to better serve our client that I had to let go and be like, okay, if you think that's what's best, then I trust you. Yeah. And so having that, that ability to have a say in the business, I think was the and um, ownership, and over ownership, ownership of that was, of it, yeah. was the, I guess the transition point. It was like having that, that, okay to say like to have that voice in the business because it was kind of hard coming into it and i mean like at first i'm like i'm still trying to figure out what i'm doing so like it's understandable i didn't have a voice in the business but then realizing like oh no i'm actually part of this business and so i can have that voice does that make sense yeah absolutely so about how long into working in the business did that transition take place it was probably like at least a year right oh that's not bad Mm. Was it longer than that? It might have been longer than that. It may, maybe it might have been a couple of years. Uh, again, I have control issues. Um, no. So like... <laughs> I uh, you just have a really high bar for quality. I, I mean, I do. And that's a I fantastic thing to have. extraordinarily high bar for for what we deliver to our clients. And, and I think part of that comes with the territory of being an artist. But then I also just... I have always been someone who is like, if, I'm, if I can't do it right... I'm not going to do it, which is why it took me a year and a half to get on board with reels, like Instagram reels, for example, because I was like, when they first hit the, when they first hit the market, I was like, I don't have time to learn how to do this. Well, I don't have time to like sit here and learn the nuances of Instagram reels and TikTok. So because I can't be confident that I can show up and do it well, I'm not going to do it until it became obvious to us. Like that was a source of social media marketing that we needed to be investing in. And so we invested time and resources into it so that we could do it well. But like it, there is a very, very high level of, and I think we've cultivated that kind of reputation. Not, I think, I know we've cultivated that kind of reputation for ourselves as photographers as well. One of the best brand photographers, one of the top wedding photographers in our area, an educator who delivers powerful material that packs a punch that's going to actually do something for your business. I don't do anything. Can I cuss on this podcast? Sure. Okay. Ron Swanson in uh, Parks and Rec says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And that's like what <laughs> Love we operate. It. That's what we operate under is like, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it really well and with unquestionable quality. And so I didn't express that in so many words to Matt when we first started working together. I just got frustrated when things weren't done to my level of expectation. So I was not communicating well what my expectations were and going back to what we had said earlier, why those were my expectations. Yeah. So when you started finally having, going back to your original question, when did that, when did you feel like you finally started to have a voice in the business 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say it was when you got on board with like, oh, here's why we do things to the level that we do. And yes, I'm going to meet that and rise above, even above what Abby's expecting. Yeah, I'll say that too. I don't have anything to add. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to touch on the course that you mentioned earlier. One of the courses that you offer, correct me if I'm wrong, is building that foundation of creating that brand guide, that style of how you run your business. Is that correct? And what can you tell us? Can you give us like a snippet of what that looks like? Yeah. So so the course is called Branding Foundations. I wrote it during the first couple of months of COVID because we were like, photographers, what do you need? How can we help? And people were like, we need help with branding. And I was like, okay. So here's like blah, 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 everything that I know about branding. And it's a, it's a text-based course. You can either like read it in the online portal, or we actually have books, like physically printed books. Oh, wow. I love so much. I'm a, I was a huge person, like a huge highlighter in college. So love being able to sit down with that. But so branding foundations is basically... Oh, it's so pretty. You guys, Matt just held it up and it is so pretty. It is really pretty. But branding foundations is basically like as photographers, as creatives, like we tend to throw the word brand around like confetti, like, oh, my brand is not on brand. Oh, I'm going to buy this because it's so on brand. But like we use it so liberally that nobody knows what the word means anymore. Like you Google, what is a brand? And you're going to get a hundred pages of results and all of them are going to tell you something different. And so branding foundations was my attempt to distill what is a brand? What are the components of a brand? So you've got the, what we we call the inputs and the outputs. The inputs are the sort of invisible side of the brand, your target audience, your why, your values, your voice as a, as a, as a creative. And how do those inputs come together to inform the outputs and the outputs are the visual side of your brand. So your website, yes, your logos, the colors that you use, but like also what you wear on the job and like with the kind of client gift experience that you offer, what, what the packaging looks like that you send in the mail and how do those inputs, like what you value as a business owner and the kind of experience you want your clients to have using those to inform the visual side of things, the output side of things results in a much more consistent experience across the board. And when you're not just like picking things out of thin air, because what we tend to do, I think as creatives is like, something's not working. It's probably my brand. I'll just get a new website. And it's like, that's Mm. not, you just slapped a bandaid on a bullet hole. The real problem here is that you don't know what you want your brand to stand for. You don't know what you want it to communicate, who you want it to reach and why. And you can't fix that with as gorgeous as tonic site shop templates are. You can't fix that with the French 75 template. It's, It's just, it's a temporary solution. And so we need to spend some time figuring out what you want to say, how you want to say it, who you want to say it to, distilling that into it's like the most essential, you think about essential oils, it's a very distilled product, very strong, very, you only need a little bit of lavender oil in order for it to be effective. But like, because that lavender oil is the very essence, I mean, it's the essential oil, right? Right. And so can we, what we need to be able to do is to distill your brand message and and your your entire brand vibe into something that identifiable and then use that to inform what it is that you're putting out there for people to see and consume on social media, on your website, on your blog, all of that. So Branding Foundations helps walk you through that. And then there's that brand manual section at the back, which is like, if we were to onboard someone new, which we should have done this, we should have done this with our new VA, we <laughs> send her our brand manual, which is really hilarious that we didn't do that now that I'm now that I'm talking Process through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Huge missed opportunity there. <laughs> It's fine. <clears throat> we need to update the onboarding SOP for Abby Grace Photography. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I would like to hear from both of you. You're running, you've been running this business now for seven years together, right? I'm really bad at math. Yeah. That might be yeah. wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. 
So how do you separate like you, okay, business is done. We're moving into parent mode. You all have the sweetest little boy, Felix. I met him y'all at creative at heart. And I think I just, I fell in love all over again. He's just the sweetest kid. So how do you like close the door on business and step into those roles? Cause I have a really hard time with that. Just like not having my husband hears about my business all the time. So I have no idea how you would like separate that and like step away from the business as a couple. It can be hard. Kind of really hard. Yeah, yeah. Really hard getting that, that balance between being business owners and being parents and being husband and wife, especially like if you're in the middle of trying to do something and your son's taking a nap and then he wakes up and you're like, Oh, I was, I was trying to work. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, you got to get over that, that initial annoyance because he's not a, a burden. He's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that says something like children are not a distraction from more important things. They are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of your readers have ever seen our story. We waited a long time for our son. We started trying for a family in 2015 and eventually started the adoption process. And Felix was born in 2019. And so by the time he got here, we've been waiting for more than four years and we were so desperate to be parents and like just desperate to live in the moment and like be fully present that about two and a half now, when you're in the thick of it and he cries, he wakes up earlier, that knee-jerk reaction is, I just needed you to sleep a little bit longer. But reframing with the the gratitude that's been cultivated in both of us of like, yes, it is fresh. We wish he had slept a little bit longer, but like we're just so glad he's here. And like this work can wait until tomorrow. And I think that's that's important is realizing what can wait till tomorrow, that not everything needs to be done right this second. You know, as as we have said in the past with, with wedding photography, is that there's no such thing as a wedding photography emergency. There's no such thing as a brand there's photography no such emergency. There's no such thing as a brand photography emergency. Right. Like, that these are things that can wait until tomorrow. I mean, unless Abby's like at the shoot, like I can't <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. be like call her and be like, hey, um, there's no such thing as a brand photography emergency. Yeah. I'd be sorry. <laughs> sorry. Felix needs you. Felix is saying he wants you. Yeah. You need to come home from your, your branch shoot right now. But if you're at home and like you're in the middle of something, there's you can take the time to say like, okay, I'm going to shut down for the tomorrow. day. I can finish this tomorrow. Yeah. And sometimes that turn, like if there's something I need to do and Abby is kind of done for the day, I can say, hey, I just need a few more minutes. Like I need like, an, like maybe another hour. Can you, you know, take time with Felix yeah. or the other or vice versa? Yeah. Like, and that happens, we see that happening a lot more during like launch seasons. So to get one on, I get back to the the original question, which was how do we separate those? And I think, first of all, being being very clear with one another, like what is our priority here? Our priority is our son. And and having mutually agreed upon ways to hold one another accountable. So like my goal is to be done with work by 3 p.m. every day. So so that by the time Felix wakes up from his nap, I can shut down my office and close the door and be completely done for the day. I'm not perfect at that, but that is a thing that I have. That is my desire. That is what I want. I have expressed that to Matt. He has full permission to to come in and be like, Hey, it's three 15. Like you said, you wanted to be done at three. You wrap it up in the next couple of minutes. So having clearly established boundaries between the two, practically speaking, I also employ what's called a shutdown routine. Cal Newport talks about it in his book, Deep Work, which is the best business book I have ever read. I will sing it from the rooftops till I die. But he talks about in um, Deep Work, there's this this concept called attention residue. When you you transition from one project Mm -hmm. to another one, part of your brain is still on the one you were doing before for anywhere from like five to 15 minutes. And if I don't properly 
shut down and sort of reset my brain. When I go to take care of Felix, my work, my mind is still on work. If I left loops open and, and problems unresolved. So before I go to transition out of work mode and into mom mode, I move through my shutdown routine, which is just, it's like clicking X on window, like, um, windows in Chrome, like slowly Xing out of each one of them and being like, okay, now I can quit Chrome because I clicked out of all of the boxes, made sure that everything was resolved. So this is like, this is like checking my email one last time, 15 minutes before I leave the office, backing up any new edits, looking at my shutdown routine behind my desk now, um, capturing any new ideas in Trello, tidying my office up and then shutting my laptop down after I've checked my calendar for the next few days. That is enormously helpful for me mentally transitioning. But then I also practically do not keep social media apps on my phone outside of work hours because it is so easy to catch myself scrolling. And this is like, this is a practice, which means I'll never, I'll probably never be perfect at it because sometimes I forget. Sometimes I, it gets to be like 6 PM and I'm like, Oh, I wonder if I got a new comments on my last Instagram. Then I open it up and I'm like, Abby, what are you doing? (laughs) And and we also have don't have email on our phones. Oh, that's a huge um, one. Yeah. So that that's way we, so good. Yeah. So that way we don't get notifications for those. Um, we don't have anything push, no, no mm-hmm. push notifications. So I delete Instagram. I should actually, I've been thinking about the last couple of days. I'm going to delete Boxer each night as well, because that's a really easy thing for me to click over to and be like, oh, I just wonder if anyone's I'm the worst. Box. You're going to have to tell me how that goes because I'm terrified of deleting Boxer and like losing everything. So, I don't think you will. I don't no, think you will. I'll, uh, but I'll I mean, I, I, like I, I just got kicked out of Boxer on my phone and then signed back in and everything was there. I, I mean, I oh, good. Where, where I signed, like I have it oh, signed in on a computer too. Yeah, you could just sign out. You don't have to like delete the app. So maybe I'll just, I'll try signing out and see if that's enough of a barrier for me. But for me, it's like, I have to create enough friction between me and my bad habits. Yeah. So that I, it's not something that you can just like easily slide into. You know, you pick up your phone and like, you almost don't think about it. And you it's muscle Instagram. memory. Yes. And that's why I delete Instagram. So if I open my phone looking for a distraction, I can't click on Instagram and it, because I just really want to protect that time with our family. We we have had to have conversations every once in a while of like, like when we're getting ready to go to bed, don't talk about work. Like this mm. is not the time mm. to be like, Hey, did you take that package to the post office? Or Hey, um, did this thing get done? Like I'm usually the one at fault. Matt has to be like, we're getting ready to go to bed. We're not, we can talk about this tomorrow. Like I can or I'm make- like, Abby, I've been asleep. It's 1am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, just reminding each, almost like recalibrating, like yeah. recalculating. What is it? What, where are we going? Where are we going? Why are we going there? Because it makes it really easy to get off course with just like, Oh, we'll, we'll just talk about this one project. And then oh, mm-hmm. we'll talk about, and then before you know, it's been an hour and you're still not asleep yet. So Allowing your spouse to keep you accountable and not getting frustrated when they do. And, yeah. And just a reminder, like, we're not perfect at that. There are times where, like, one of us has been, it's stuck in our minds. Like yesterday, we, we had something that we were, that, that came up at, like, 3.30, and we were talking about it until probably 5. Well, there's also been times where we've been laying in bed and, like, you know, you are, like, needing, you just, like, I can't sleep. And so we, like, have gone down and had, like, an 11 p.m. brainstorm session. Just to get it out of your head on yeah. paper, and then you can go upstairs and rest. So we're, we're not perfect at it, but but the, those are the rules that we have put in place. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to make sure that people didn't think, like, oh, they're they're perfect. Crazy like, regimented. You no, know, <laughs> no, like, there, there are times when you just need to, to blurt things out and put it on yeah. a whiteboard. Yeah. Like, that happens. So you sound like you have some really good solid routines, and like you said, not perfect. But solid routines and focusing on not getting distracted by social media, making sure that you're available for Felix when he needs you, that kind of thing. So how do you all separate like 
business partners. And now like, like you said, Matt, earlier, you have like husband and wife and you have parents and you have business partners. So how do you really take time as like husband and wife away from it all to just reconnect together? So it's something that we've, we've talked about. So there's things like making sure we have dinner together as a family, but also together, like having just time in the evening, whether it's just, even if we're reading separately, like reading in the same room or watching a movie together. And like have a fire burning in a fireplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Cause once Felix goes to bed at like seven fifteen, we have from seven fifteen until Michael's lights out at nine 30 because I get up at five 30 in the morning. Yep. I'm the same that, way. Yeah. It's like, it's like kind of two hours ish together. So between us, we have agreed we're not okay with just like sitting and scrolling on our phones for two hours. We don't bring our laptops downstairs. Sometimes we'll watch movies together. But like, I mean, as, as parents of toddler of a toddler, it's hard. And I, I think especially as parents of a toddler and business partners, like you have to be so intentional about not using every free moment to either talk about your child or talk about your work. And so like going on date nights. Um, We don't get to do that as frequently as we would like to, but making sure that we protect that time. And then also like we, we both are fortunate enough to have parents relatively close by, like finding time to take like a night away. So we went, we went for our anniversary last year, went to the Ritz and spent a night. And so we'd like to do that again for our anniversary this year. We're still trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. I would just say, especially as parents of toddlers, you know, when you get to the end of the day and you're just so tired, <laughs> you're so tired of mentally and, and, and sometimes physically too, that you're like, literally all I can do is sit here and like read a book next to you. And sometimes that's enough, you know, yeah. just like being in the same room together and, and not talking about work and not talking about parenting. Yeah. And we also go to bed at the same time. I know some couples, that's probably not feasible, but that's what we, cause it's hard for one of us to sleep if the other one's still up. Yeah, like, it's hard for one of us to fall asleep. Like, I mean, there are times when like we go, we're in bed at the same time and then either I can't sleep or I'm restless or Abby's restless. And so like, we'll go downstairs and read again, but it's not like a, you know, I stay up till midnight and Abby goes to bed at nine 30. Like we, we try and be intentional about being on the same schedule. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's one thing that my husband, my husband only doesn't get home from work on the days that he works till nine. So that's hard mm-hmm. for us having like that time. And one of the things that we implemented that is like, I get cuddle sessions (laughs) like every night, like he comes in, he like literally puts me to bed and then he goes and unwinds from his work day Mm -hmm. for a couple of hours. So that was one thing that was like really important to us, especially you guys can't see this, but I keep crying (laughs) as Abby and Matt are talking about, you know, how hard it is in this season with, with toddlers and like how exhausted you are. It's exhausting. Yeah. To, you know, have to parent and run a business. And um, I'm going through a really hard season with our son, mm-hmm. which is why I can't stop crying. So um, we're potty training right now. Like, oh I, don't, I don't know what season you're going through, but we're going through potty training and I've had so many tears as a result. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's, it's so hard. So I really love hearing like the boundaries that you've put in place, even if it's just sitting on the couch together, reading a book, like that's just so important. And, Mm -hmm. and I love that you guys make sure that you, that you do have that time and it's totally okay that you're still figuring out what that time sometimes needs to look like. Yeah. We're in the adoption process for the second time at this point. And I, every once in a while, I'm like, are we crazy? Like, because (laughs) we're so tired at the end of the day after, you know, it's just one toddler, like, how are we going to add hopefully soon another baby into the mix. It's like, you know, we went from zero to one and that was a crazy adjustment and we did it and we survived. And like, we'll go from one to two. And I've heard that that is exponentially harder 
but we'll survive and we'll be okay. And I think I think it's also okay, like to recognize seasons. Yeah. To, to name something to be like things are really hard in this aspect of our life or our marriage or our business or whatever because of this particular season that we're in. Yeah. And like maybe it's a season that you just have to power through, but that the recognizing this is not a forever thing. It's not always going to be this exhausting. It will be exhausting in other ways as Felix gets older and as we have more kids, like, but that it's not always going to be like this. And so it's okay that I'm tired. And, and I mean, we did similar to times in business where we're like, Hey, we're in launch mode. Like our course is launching, let's say in two weeks. And, um, I'm really tired right now, but like, don't resist resist the urge to burn down the business because you know, it's, (laughs) It's just a season. It'll be over once Kurt closes and then you can rest and that's okay. Or you have four brand shoots in four four weeks. weeks. (laughs) Three of them are, you know, require flights to get to. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely, um, I was telling Matt before, (laughs) I was telling Matt before we got started, he's like, how is this? Like, it's been insane. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, you have, you just have your, your seasons of hustle and then you have your seasons of rest. And one of the things that, that Abby recent, I think recently did that I, am going to be stealing so soon is the getaway house. Tell yes! me, I I'm so like, literally I have dates selected. I'm just like waiting for childcare to line up. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited for you. You're single you. by yourself. I am. I am. Good for you. Uh, so, Abby would so, suggest so, doing two nights. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Cause she only did one night and she was like, I, I, it was great, but I would like more time. Yes. Yeah. So tell so me, um, Tell me what that, what that looked like, what it's about. Yeah. So we went for the first time three years ago, three mm-hmm. years ago. Four and years ago now, because it was 20. No, it was 2019. We went as a sort of hybrid business retreat to, to do some yearly planning. We've just read traction and to map out the like five, five-year vision, three-year picture and one-year plan. And then to use the last, I think we went for three nights. Four nights? nights? No, I think it was three nights. Three nights? Yeah, yeah. So I think that we were planning to use the first like day and a half for business stuff and then the second day and a half for rest. I don't recommend that approach because it's hard to like shut the door on the like, and now we're done with business planning and we will rest now. <laughs> um, I loved it. I loved the, I love that it's disconnected. There's no Wi-Fi, that it's in remote area. Matt was like, okay with it for like two nights and then started to get a little bit bored after that. I could go for, I think I could go, I could do it again. Yeah. I just, I, what I mean to say by that is it wasn't as like, it wasn't the same, like restore, like soulful restorative mm-hmm. experience for you that it was for me, which is fine. That's why I, I didn't push you to go with me this time. Yeah. So if your listeners are, have no idea what we're talking about, getaway, they are cabins that are roughly two hours away from large metropolitan areas. So there's, it's two hours away from DC. There's one within a couple of hours of Atlanta, New York, like, any of those major areas. And they are standalone cabins with no Wi-Fi, these huge panoramic picturesque windows. And you're far enough away from your other, there, it's a campsite. So there are other getaway cabins on the campsite, but you're far enough away from your neighbors that you're not going to like run in. You're like not going to like chat with them. There's like a fire pit. There's a... Yeah, there's a cat. So it's got electricity. There's a queen size bed. There's a there's an option to do four person ones. It's got like double. Mm-hmm. It's got like a bug bed of queen beds. Yeah. Um, but we've only ever done the the one queen bed one. But then there's a small kitchen and a shower and a toilet. And so the, there's electricity. There's heating. There's air conditioning. But it's just it's meant for you to be able to go and unplug. It's, it's more like glamping than camping. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I I'm 
I love it. I wish I could go every quarter. Um, I think it's probably realistic for me to go like a couple times a year. But um, this past time I went with my power sheets and my Bible and my watercolors. And I just took some time to like cast vision for this year. We had already done our business planning meetings. So this one was more for like, okay, what do I want this year to look like for me as a mom, as a wife? Um, what kind of personal development do I do I hope to see come to fruition this year? And then just taking some time to get quiet and 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 paint and be inspired. Awesome. Matt, do you is there anything that you do that like helps restore your soul or refill your cup? I know that's such like a fluffy question, but um but like like I don't feel like I need like a getaway to do that. Like I like doing things like like reading the crossword. I love doing the crossword, playing board games with my friends is a lot of fun for me and and can be restorative. I like things either by myself or in smaller groups. Uh, like going to a party is not restorative. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, we, as we've discussed about with the weddings. That's one of the things we had to learn, like as husband and wife, like the way that I, things that, that are valuable to me are not necessarily, don't necessarily carry the same value for Matt. And that's not, doesn't mean anything or it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Matt. It just means he recharges in a different way than I do. Yeah. And learning to recognize that Matt learning to put words to what that looks like for him. And then me learning to honor that and give space to that, as opposed to like trying to shoehorn him into like, no, you will rest this way. <laughs> I think the, uh, the biggest example of that is, is with when we took our first trip to Paris to, to, to Europe after we got back, it was a, like a life-changing put a pin in it type of moment for me as an artist. I felt like I found my voice and I, I just like felt so alive. And so I told Matt, I was like, where do you want to go next? Like world is your oyster. You get to choose Paris was mine. We'll go anywhere you want to go next time thinking he's going to say like Greece or Rome or something like that. And that answers with, I wanted to go to the outer banks in North Carolina. And, I was because, like, <laughs> and that was when we realized that like, like we vacation differently. We want to rest differently. Like Abby loves vacationing and going and exploring places. Like she wants to go see things. And yeah. like for me, I'm like, I want to go. Like my ideal vacation is just go somewhere away and sit with a book, sit with crosswords, sit with a puzzle, sit with something and just and just kind right. of like rest and hang out. So that's something we've learned to to try and balance is like and hey, make like, space for both of those types of things mm-hmm. on our calendar. So like when we go to a city in Europe, like we don't have we don't go with a huge itinerary. We're not like okay, we're going to Paris, we're going to see the Eiffel Tower, we're going to go to Louvre, we're going to do all this. Things. It's like no, we'll kind of like we'll wander around, but we're also okay with just going and like spending some time in the in the Airbnb rented. So we talked about you know those those categories of like husband and wife, parents business owners, but then I think there also does like as, as photographers, at least for me, I needed time carved out there for me to be inspired. So as an artist, like how do I protect time to be inspired as an artist? And so one of my favorite activities when we go to, to Europe is just wandering, like walking with my camera and my light meter and just photographing anything that inspires me and taking time to like soak it in and breathe and, and like smell the scents around me and listen to the languages being spoken. And that's really hard to do when with a two-year-old. And we, um, we went to Spain last summer. I have a client in South of Spain. And so then we took some time afterwards to just go as a family to Barcelona. And so Matt, one of the biggest gifts he gave me was like, several hours to just wander in Barcelona while he took Felix back to our Airbnb to take his nap. And I think that's like just another, like recognizing as an artist, what does it take for me to be able to continue to operate at the, at the level that I do or to, to be inspired and finding, and it may not be something you can do every week. It might be something that you carve out time for once a year or twice a year, but 
but that if that's what it takes in order for you to do your job the way that you need to be, or the way that your clients need you to be able to do your job to be intentional about protecting that as well. That's awesome. All right. So I always like to wrap up our episodes with the same three questions. First question is, what is your favorite business tool? Good question. My favorite is Freedom, which is actually like an anti-business tool. Well, no, it's a business tool because I use it to block social media during deep work blocks. Super helpful for that. But then I also use it to block any kind of work app after work hours. So it helps both work and personal life. Uh, for me, I am... This is something, a tool that I'm I'm still learning, um, but it's really cool is, is um, FG Funnels. It's what we're transitioning to from Kajabi for our courses and then has, has our email list. It's basically got like an all-in-one platform that's got a lot of cool features in it. We're really excited about um, it. FG Funnels, like Funnel Gorgeous Funnels um, by Julie Stoyan and Kathy Olson. And I'm so excited about everything that Matt's told me that it can do. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Like we we're in the process of transitioning to it and I'm very excited for all the stuff that it can do. I'm a quote fanatic. I love quotes. So I would love to know what your all's favorite quote is. Don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, so one of my, I guess, favorite quotes, and, and I feel like I pray this a lot with, with you and when, yeah. when we're praying is, is, uh, have a, a peace that transcends all understanding. God will give us a, a grant of peace that transcends all understanding. Um, so in the midst of crazy seasons, crazy times that God brings peace to our life. Gives us peace to exist in the midst of the yeah. chaos. And so that's, that's one I think that we feel like I pray a lot. I don't know. You, you can, I don't even call it a quote, but more like just like a, a notion that we yeah. cling to. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, um. I love that. I do love that one by C.S. Lewis. The children are not an interruption or a distraction. I think from more important things, they are the most important thing. Just because that that really resonates with me. That made me cry. Someone, <laughs> it, it resonates with me as someone who can absolutely struggle with overwork and yeah. like and and finding my validation from my work. It's just a real quick gut check recalibration tool to what we waited so long for and how worthy that weight was. And when it's easy to prioritize work, because in the moment, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Realizing that parenthood isn't one big instant. It's it's a collection, hundreds, thousands of instances that shape the, the relationship that you and your child have. And I want my child to have a relationship that he looks back on and, and, and can say my parents were, were there and they were present. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's been, that's been a um, lesson I'm having to lean into lately because I'm very prone to overwork. I've also find my validation in my work and I have our son by myself a lot because of my mm-hmm. husband's work schedule and, and it's, it can be challenging. Okay. So this is one of these days I'm going to have like one of my assistants put together like the guides of drinks from the Success Beyond Lens podcast. <laughs> So one of my favorite questions is if I were to come into your hometown or, you know, where y'all are at now and we were to grab drinks, where would we go and what would we have? Do we have children with us or is it? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love him so much. Both of our kids, but yeah. I would say the Gibson. The Gibson's usually where where it's a a speakeasy in D.C. There's Um, no sign above it. You have to have reservations. I wanted to go to a speakeasy for so long. Yep. The Gibson in D.C. is a really cool one. And they only serve like Prohibition era, like alcohols. And they have really fun cocktails. So that's probably where that would be my choice. Yeah. What would we get? Was that? Did you do you care what we get? No, I would get a French 75. (laughs) Awesome. Most likely I would probably get a soda. Not because I don't drink, but because I 
I generally really, prefer soda now. But <laughs> if I was to get a drink, probably like an old fashioned, mm-hmm. like a nice even, bourbon. Yeah, even a nice bourbon would probably be what I would get if we if I was to get an alcoholic drink. Awesome. You and my husband would get along really well because bourbon is his drink of choice too. Of course, oh, we're in Kentucky, so it almost has to be. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, a prerequisite. It's like runs in the veins of the yeah. old Kentucky. Yes. So. yes. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited for our audience to hear everything that we talked about here. We covered all kinds of topics. Where can we hang out with you? Yeah, come find us on Instagram at Abby Grace Photo, A-B-B-Y. You can also find our blog chock full of tons of education at abbygraceblog.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Jen. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you so much for joining on this episode of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. If you are loving our content, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to our channel or left us a review. You can always hang out with me on the gram at Success Beyond the Lens. Hope to see you guys next week.